It's the show for real people doing real work in social media. It's the Social Pros Podcast from Jay Bear of Convince and Convert, featuring Jeff Roars and special contributor Zena Wiest. Presented by Interactive Marketing Hub, Exact Target, and sponsored by Jan Rain, the leaders in social sign-in and interaction. Cision, giving marketers and PR pros tools to expand their exposure. And Xbeon, social engagement software for world-class companies. Ready to accelerate your social media? Let's get to work. Welcome back to Social Pros, the podcast with real people doing real work in social media. I am, in fact, Jay Bear back from vacation, from book launch, from all kinds of things, joined as always by Jeff Roars from Exact Target and also Ms. Zena Wiest, who's also been uh, away for a little while from XBeyond. She is uh, back on the show as well. We have reassembled the Midwestern Marketing Mafia uh, after several weeks. Thanks very much uh, to everybody for uh, filling the breach when I was away. And then last week they were away, and so I, uh, I, I flew solo. But gosh, it feels so good to be back. It feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time. And thankfully, we have. I'm a not sure how to respond to that, Jay. <laughs> just, just. I think silence is the most appropriate, really. Few, yes. Few things render me speechless. That now goes on the list of them. <laughs> Success. Uh, we have an amazing guest uh, on the show today. The social media director for a little company called Monsanto. It is Janice Person. Janice, welcome to the podcast. Wow, the Midwestern ma- marketing mafia. I feel right at home here in St. Louis. It feels like these are my people. I know. It's now like a quadrant. So we are coming to you, ladies and gentlemen, from the quintessential. This is the this is the flyover podcast. Uh, we have Cleveland, Bloomington, Indiana, Kansas City, and St. Louis, all of the world's coolest cities on one podcast. Jay, Jay, I have to interrupt. I'm ruining it today because I'm actually dialing in from San Francisco. Oh, so the horror. I apologize. I've, I've ruined it. So. Are you <laughs> sorry? Are you wearing all black on this podcast? Uh, no, no, I am. I am uh, bright and sunshiny right. just as the Bay Area is today. You, you might be a little too hipster for us. You might. That's right. We might have oh, no, to... no, that's tomorrow when I get fitted for my Google Glass. Oh, that's, that's right. You're getting your Google Glass tomorrow. I forgot about that. Okay, so next week's show. Yes. Uh, guest is TBD. I've been, I've been reticent and reluctant and uh, busy. Uh, we don't know who's going to be on the show next week, but it may just be, it may just be Jeff talking about Google Glass uh, on next week's show. Maybe we'll have to do that. We'll see. I'm excited for you. It's going to be interesting. Uh, it's it's a whole like ritualistic process. I don't know if that you have to don robes or what's all involved, but I will I will gladly report back on the whole experience. I can't wait for you to send me an email while nodding off on accident. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Mr. Jeff Roars, I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that this podcast, Social Pros, which you cherish, is brought to you by Exact Target, a world leader in interactive marketing software, powering the email, web, mobile, and social programs of more than 4,600 companies. It's probably a lot more than that. We need to update our stats. They have, and by they, I mean Exact Target, have an amazing new swipe file um, with 20 winning email designs that can inspire you to email greatness. It's pretty cool, this program. They have the swipe file. They take the best and brightest of their clients and, and say, here's some things, uh, good ideas that you should steal. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, you can download the new email swipe file at AR 
dot gy slash email designs that's ar dot gy slash email designs and that's all lower case all right let's talk to janice because she's the one that really matters in this uh, equation let me ask you a question first my friend your twitter handle is and has always been as far as i know at jp your initials loves cotton why is it that you love cotton so much and how did that become your twitter handle Gee, that's a really tough question. If I don't have an answer for it, it's only going to go downhill from here. Um, so, no pressure. I know, like really. Um, so when I got on Twitter, um, I already I was working for Monsanto at the time, but I'd been working in agriculture for a long time, for longer than I'd like to admit on uh, in a public venue. Um, but most of my work had been focused on southern cotton farmers and um, maybe sometimes occasionally rice or soybeans. But cotton farmers are a thing that we have down south. But there's a lot of um, there's a lot of ownership to being a cotton farmer or to working in the cotton industry. When I got on Twitter, I wanted to be able to talk to a lot of farmers, um, but I didn't want them to to think that I was pretending to know more than I did. I know cotton really well. And I really love the crop. I mean, I love going out on the farm to see cotton growing and the flowers and when the bowls pop open. And then I love blue jeans and a hoodie in the in the winter or you know t-shirt and shorts in the summer. So it just kind of it just kind of captured a passion around agriculture and something that I had some expertise on. Um, and and from there it's kind of grown. It's it's kind of funny how many people know me as JP Loves Cotton because I've been on Twitter for so long that uh, I get people calling me that and and never call me Janice anymore. <laughs> you know, all my social media friends only call me JP or JP Loves Cotton. So it's a nice thing to do. At least oh, it's awesome. Good stewardship for part of the industry I'm in. It's it's funny because you know the the rule of thumb and as a consultant I've I've pass this knowledge along that, right, you should always use your real name. But here's an example uh, where it really works. It stands out and people remember it and you have a a backstory associated with it. Um, What's amazing is Zena is actually going to change her handle to Zena Loves Cashmere. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a a Twitter (laughs) handle that we can all embrace. natural fibers. So it's actually a parody account of me that's JP Loves Wool. And I'm fully supportive of the other natural fibers. I'm so scratchy. It's so scratchy all the time. It doesn't hit my... (laughs) Not good wool, it's not. (laughs) True. Good point. We're talking about boiled wool. I'm going to get you back at some point. Okay. Well, Jeff Jeff has the Jeff Roars Loves Polyester. It's unbelievable. It's uh, it's a great footer account. Um, Janice, obviously... Obviously, um, uh, it's big, out. I, I have um, with the Google Glass. Uh, so obviously, it's a big company, right? You guys got a lot going on there. How is the social media team uh, structured there? And, and does it work under the auspices of a, of a public relations or, or a corp com unit? Or, or how is the, the staffing pattern uh, handled there at Monsanto? Yeah, so we're part of a group that's overall called Corporate Affairs. So it includes our public affairs groups and our corporate marketing, um, communications. So we kind of sit in that same group. So we're alongside the media relations folks as well as the folks that do some of the the branded communications for the overall business. Um, But I guess from our side, there's also a few people over in our branded businesses that that do some social media that's more specific to farmers. So I'm more on the that corporate 
side that's talking more broadly, um, and then we have people that are more focused in on talking more directly with farmers that do some some neat social media things as well. Are those farmer oriented? And within uh, our team, we have several different. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So I guess, and then um, within our team, we've got several different properties and things, and sometimes we, uh, we've we divided those up among different team members based on sort of where their focus is. So some are more information-based and um, kind of, you know, able to handle issues around the company or promotions around the company, and some are a little more uh, promotional-based or something along that line. So that's it. Within that uh, farmer outreach team that you mentioned, are they separated by uh, by crop type, or or do they cover uh, just sort of across the board, or maybe they work in in technology? So somebody on Facebook, somebody on Twitter. Yeah. So in our in our branded part of the business, um, we tend to have teams that work on um, like our our corn brand is called the cow, or our cotton brand is called Delta Pine, and so they tend to be in those kind of silos. Um, of course, they're all connected through, you know, they're talking to similar farmers. In many cases, those farmers would be growing multiple crops, so there's some coordination about, among them. But they tend to be kind of crop specific and then brand specific, and then those people would work across various channels. Um, I think what's really cool is, is some of the stuff we get to do on the corporate side where it's not um, not just Monsanto, which is some of the channels that people may be more familiar with, but we also do some things to try and help the general public understand agriculture a little bit more because so many of us, um, I know I certainly wasn't brought up on a farm and um, I, I was not far from it, but in a, another way, I was really far from the farm and that we didn't have agriculture anywhere in my family. And so we get to do some of that on the corporate side. When you have a team like this and, and lots of conversations about uh, Monsanto as a company and individual products or initiatives that you have going on, of course, there's lots of controversy and debate about some of the things that you're involved in. Um, do you have specific rules of engagement that you try and follow in the organization? Do you sort of have that playbook or do you look at each opportunity to engage as uh, circumstantial and say, okay, well, we got we have to assess this um, on its own merits and decide whether to sort of weigh in or to walk away? I think it's probably um, probably kind of hard for us to explain exactly how it works because it's a combination of those two things, Jay. I, I don't think um, one simple rule book is going to work for all circumstances, but we have um, kind of key directives that, that formulate our company's communication across the board. Um, so respect and transparency and integrity and, and things like that that are the absolute all the time, whether you're on social media or whether you're in a conversation with customers, you know, in the field, those kind of things guide us on a daily basis. So uh, respect, transparency, those kind of things are always out there. Um, what becomes a little harder is trying to decide when to engage or when not to engage um, in the social media spectrum. And um, sometimes we, we have questions because, like you said, some people uh, find some of our products a little more controversial. Um, we do have people that are very strong set in their opinions. 
And um, and sometimes that takes a little more intuition on a personal basis of whether or not how far to engage or, you know, kind of what kind of information to provide them and stuff. All of it still has to be gauged on treating people with respect and being transparent about our business. But, you know, at some point, you, you may personally just say, okay, that's enough time spent on this one. I, I need a break. This is uh, Jeff Janice. Let's dig into that just a little bit more um, because I know that the, the GMO issue, the ge uh, genetically modified organisms or crops, is really one of those hot button issues for folks where, um, you know, uh, intelligent folks can disagree and there's a lot of passion uh, on both sides of that issue. Um, is that, you know, a, a situation where, you know, or I guess maybe the question is more, what have you learned at a 30,000-foot level as an organization about those kind of hot-button issues? Is it that sometimes social media can only advance the conversation so far and it's going to be entrenched and we just have to accept that? Um, and if so, how has that changed the way that you address um, those types of issues in public forums such as social media? Well, I think if you look at it, um, those questions and those conversations are happening anyway. Um, so we certainly want to be part of them and, and ask people to consider our our side of the story or our research. I think what gets uh, complicated on social media sometimes is um, the anonymity of it and some of those things. So usually if you're having a face-to-face -face discussion, you can count on a certain amount of mutual respect. And sometimes in social media, those norms seem to be a little different. Sure. So I, I think it's, it's kind of inherent on all of us to make sure, at least on, on our side, that we're always adhering to those kind of norms that we've set for ourselves of integrity and respect and things along that line. That means respecting other people's opinion. It doesn't mean we have to share their opinion. Um, but it, it also, at the same time, we feel like we have a need to make sure that our information, that our perspective is out there in a way that people who are interested in hearing the broader discussion can find it. So we're not necessarily out there trying to to turn everybody into our opinion, but we want to make sure that there are really good sources of information and um, and that some of that information comes from us, some of it comes from third parties, um, but we'd like people to at least be able to make their decisions based on the full set of information instead of what's just coming at them from another side of the, the yeah. spectrum. Yep. Uh, to that end, Janice, how do you look at or, or do you think about reactive social media versus proactive, uh, you know, and, and what's sort of the relationship between social and and content and sort of telling your story through content marketing, whether it's blogging or videos or ebooks or infographics or any other conveyance that you may adopt to to make sure that your side of the story is told? Um, are those different initiatives? Are they the same initiative with with different missions? How do those uh, those things interplay uh, in your organization or, or at least um, how do you see it personally? What's nice is our team is a really small team focused on corporate social media. Um, and so in that regard, 
we, we kind of do both proactive and reactive in the same small area. Um, we have some that are fairly separate. So one of the, the proactive pieces that I love to share with people is called America's Farmers. I'm not sure if you've ever seen. We have ads and things uh, that, that show in ma major metro areas. But we also have like some really cool stuff from America's Farmers um, on the website, on Facebook, on Twitter. My favorite right now is we have a series of webisodes where people in cities and different places can ask questions of farmers, and then we get farmers to answer those questions for them. So whether it's how do you farm in a drought or how much do you produce in a year, then you actually hear from farmers firsthand about what they're doing. That's a real proactive strategy we have. Um, on the Monsanto blog and the Monsanto company, Twitter and Facebook and things, um, we do a mixture of proactive and reactive there. You know, if there's something new in the, the media that we hadn't prepared on, um, we'll go ahead and put it out. Um, one of the most recent posts is about a study um, and just giving our perspective on some of the science that was available. But um, we also go out and do a lot of proactive stuff on those accounts as well. I think when you look at what we're trying to accomplish, we just want to help right-size people's uh, knowledge and perception of us if they're taking the time to look for what we've got to say. Um, a lot of people have a, a different opinion about us. They don't understand that what we're doing is we're really focused in on selling farmers seed and, and then we offer a product like Roundup. Um, but seed is really our biggest part of our business and that's what we talk about, that's what we tweet about, that's what we you know, post about on Facebook is sort of what we're doing with farmers in order to improve the yields so that they can grow more food on their farms. Also conserve resources. Things like water are so critical right now and they're only going to get more critical over time. And then to improve the lives of farmers. What can we do that help make a farmer more successful on their farm so that they can keep it for generations to come? So Janice, I have uh, the benefit of uh, being from a, a farming family. Uh, my, my father was the eldest, I think, in a family of, of seven, a few who still farm in, in northwest Ohio. And I've been fascinated to see my cousin Tony Roars uh, really take to Twitter. And uh, much like our conversations when I was younger, and they would throw out uh, the model numbers of John Deere tractors uh, like they were you know, uh, automobiles, and I would just nod my head in agreement. Uh, without truly understanding what they were talking about. I feel the same way with his tweets <laughs> half the time <laughs> because he's he's throwing out the price of soybeans or what is, you know, what's going on in the soybean market today. So I, I'm intrigued, you know, because a lot of our listeners are very far removed from that world. What has really um, surprised you or impressed you about how uh, today's farmer has taken to social media and made it their own? You know, Jeff, that is like the most exciting thing. Before I had a job at Monsanto where I was focused on social media, I was I was working in media relations and things, and I, I just got bit by the social media bug, and um and and was spending more of my personal time on on that arena and looking for ways to connect with people, and and that's really when JP Loves Cotton kind of came into being, and what's what's amazing is is how many farmers are taking to Twitter and things. Either, like you mentioned, your cousin in, in Ohio, to get information on weather and markets and, and sort of what they may have as new options on their farm, 
or more and more what I think, and I think Jay is a, a perfectly good example. He's going to be with a group of these farmers later in the summer. It's to talk about how do they make themselves available to people in major metropolitan areas who have questions about the way foods produce. And how can you have that conversation when you're, say, in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, <laughs> and there are people in New York or Chicago who have questions about the way the beef that was raised on your farm is grown. And social media is an incredible enabler of those kind of conversations. Um, last, you know, just two weeks ago, I had a, a farmer from Kansas and I were in New York for the 140 conference. And we were able to have that kind of conversation with people about here's how your food is grown and here's what I do on my ranch and here's what I do on my farm. Those kind of conversations that people are really interested in that kind of information. And, um, and we're trying to provide some of that ourselves. We're encouraging farmers to do it. And I know Jay is going to be one of the speakers that this fall there's the Ag Chat Foundation. And Jay, I think, is the the primary keynoter. Everybody's all excited because now he's going to be an official ag nerd. Ag nerd, um, ag nerd. <laughs> he is. He's such and a actually, my family is from nowhere in Nebraska, so I just want to make sure that uh, we're on record. <laughs> I love it. But I think, I think it's really fun when you get out on Twitter. Um, since only 2% of Americans are connected to farming in some way, um, when you get out on Twitter, you suddenly go from nowhere in Nebraska to being able to per to participate in conversations that are happening all over the country or all over the globe. And I think that uh, that's one of the real benefits is it's, it's empowering for farmers to be able to represent their own interests. And um, I, I think it's awesome. I'm, I'm now going to have to look for your cousin. And is it Northwestern Ohio? Yeah, Tony Roars, Roars Farms. So you will, you will be able to Google him and find him. I'm sure I'll... I'll make My sure brother's in northwestern Ohio too. Wow! I mean, I whereabouts? He's near Bluffton. Bluffton, that's a little bit south. There, we're good old Hamler, Ohio, and uh, McGuffey. Uh, you know, places where I believe God was born, uh, <laughs> okay. or close to there. You just uh, made that up, McGuffey, Ohio. You just invented oh, that. It doesn't actually. Yeah. It doesn't exactly exist. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, McGuffey, Ohio, is in the heart of the ancient Black Swamp that they drained in order to make a lot of Ohio inhabitable. So it is where a lot of your tubers are grown, your, your carrots, your potatoes, things that grow underground. It is the darkest, richest soil you will ever see. Speaking of things that grow underground, the Social Pro <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Xbeyond. <laughs> Xbeyond is a centralized platform that empowers global brands, agencies, and retailers to manage their social marketing efforts. Actually, Xbeyond allows you to go from underground to the light, the light of social media. They provide scalable enterprise-grade software that helps you publish and govern your social presence. You need to read their case study on H&R Block and how XBeyond activated 90,000 tax professionals in social media using XBeyond to guide their activities. Amazing stuff. Download it now at ar.gy slash block. That's ar.gy slash block. That was my favorite segue of the two-year history of this podcast. Wow, what a segue. That was pretty good, right? It was yeah, awesome. Tremendous, tremendous. Well, Janice, if I may, I want to ask one other little follow-up. Is As you're talking, it seems like there's this interesting interplay between content marketing and social and is shaping a lot of what you guys are doing. Are you, you know, uh, as you look ahead, are, are there any big initiatives or other things where you're trying to get that voice of the farmer uh, amplified even further because it helps tell uh, both your story and theirs to those broader markets? 
Yeah, actually the webisodes are relatively new. Um, we just announced the America's Farm, uh, America's Farm Mom for the year, and she'll be doing a, a number of things on our blogging platforms and things along that line. Um, and then we, we're a supporter of a number of other projects, including something called the Food Dialogues, which is hashtag FoodD. Uh, we support that, uh, which is farmer, U.S. farmers and ranchers, where they're engaging people in conversations around food. So we're doing things um, ourselves as Monsanto, but then joining with others in agriculture to try and lift all our voices up so that uh, more of these farmers can be heard in the conversation. I think what's great is we all eat several times a day, so we all <laughs> are reliant on farmers at some point, whether we think about it or not. And I'm sitting here wearing a cotton sweater, so you know I'm I'm dependent on farmers for some of the products I use in my daily life, and we don't always think about it. And social media gives us a chance to do that. So we're thrilled to be able to participate directly with farmers and with some of the organizations that they're members in. I would like you to connect me to some agave farmers, since that's kind of my thing. That would be fantastic. You know what? I bet you I can find you some out in Arizona. Why didn't you know them all then? Uh, well, you know, I was I was busy. I don't know. I, <laughs> I was me, busy drinking the fruit of the agave. That's right. Jess, let me ask you this. you got a lot of things going on, uh, and you've talked about conversations and, and being a part of those. Uh, what, what sort of uh, metrics and KPIs do you use in the organization to determine whether or not this is working? Are you looking at social mentions and sentiment and things along those lines, or, or are there other data points that you pay attention to? So we're, we're looking at all those key metrics that everybody looks at. Um, but in, in my role, I'm looking more at outreach, and sometimes that's a little more qualitative than quantitative um, in terms of trying to initiate conversations with people where we haven't been participating in that, in that arena. So um, we're looking at all the key metrics everybody uses on a regular basis, but we're also looking at some of this qualitative stuff so we can, we can see, wait a minute, can we, can we have some honest conversations with people? Can we, can we develop some other relationships with folks so that they can better understand what we're doing? That's kind of where my primary focus is. So some of the others are, are looking at more of the mentions and stuff. I, I get to see the reports, and I get to be interested in that stuff, but uh, I don't tend to have my finger on the pulse as much as other members of the team. You were talking about doing a lot of farmer activation in America's Farmers. I actually saw the billboard for America's Farmers when I was leaving uh, St. Louis the other day. Um, and... Are you doing the same kind of widespread activation and social with Monsanto employees? Or are you using um, tools like XBeyond, who does this, or, or other things to, to get lots and lots of Monsanto people involved? Or kind of given the nature of your business, do you try and centralize uh, those social communications through official brand channels? So it's a little bit of a combination. So our employees um, are certainly welcome to join in. Um, you know, at the at the end of the day, some of them are, are focusing on coming up with a corn that's going to grow better under drought conditions, and so they may not uh, spend a huge amount of time on social media, but we're trying to enable them when in their private time, uh, if, if they would be interested in sharing our story or the story of America's farmers and things along that line, we're trying to make it easy for them to do it within that time period. Um, but we do we kind of keep the numbers of people involved in social media on the small side. We're lean, mean machines over here um, because we really are focused on this overall 
picture of agriculture and sort of developing new products and things there. So it's it's an odd mix, but we certainly have lots of employees who are very passionate about agriculture and who love to discuss it. Um, as a matter of fact, Jay, you'll find it interesting. My job didn't become social media until January of this year. So, you know, I, I know I uh, have, have followed around on a lot of social media discussions for years up until then, and it was part of my passion around social media that ended up putting me on the social media team and I think we've got a lot of other employees around here who have that similar passion and it may be around, um, they may also have a passion around travel or exercise or photography and they do social media with those other, uh, you know, those other interests and then they occasionally share some of the Monsanto and agricultural kind of information along the way. We want to make it as easy for them to do that as possible. We want to make sure that they can answer questions when they have questions from family members or whatever, whether that's on social media or in, you know, kind of real-time conversations over the Fourth of July holiday or something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's funny you say that that sort of broader-based um, approach. One of the things that I'm really impressed by is that that Monsanto. Um, Twitter account, for example, you know, tweets out things from time to time that aren't really from you. And it's actually a sort of a curation uh, approach. I think that's a really uh, impressive sort of approach for a company like yours to say, look, we don't we don't have a stranglehold on good information. Um, other people are publishing things that that are meritorious. How do you go through that curation process or, or, or how do you decide, you know, what gets tweeted out and what doesn't? You know what, we're, we are so lucky in that we um, have a good audience of people that follow what we're doing, um, and we want to make it easy for them to find information about agriculture. And um, we have a lot of trade magazines that we have close relationships with, and I'm sure if you look through our Twitter feed, you'll see some of those, uh, some of those me media come right to the top. Um, a lot of farmers who blog that uh, write great information, we actually have created more recently a separate channel called MonsantoToday.com where we kind of stub some of those primary articles each day that, that kind of touch about our business, helps employees find those resources, also helps others, and those are all going out in our Twitter feed as well. So um, we do a lot of looking and searching through and, and looking for where the mentions are and things along that line. And we want to support the people who really support our business, too. I mean, we've got, working in agriculture, you've got such an incredible industry, such an incredible community of people that uh, it's inherent upon us to make sure that we're sharing the good work that they're doing um, as they do for us. We're lucky. Well said. Thanks very much. We'll have more from uh, Janice in a little bit when we get to the uh, For Your Information section of the Social Pros podcast. Uh, but for now, let's turn it over to Jeff for your favorite segment, the social media stat of the week. Jeff, what numerical nugget do you have for the Social Pros listeners today? I have a bait and switch on you, Jay. Perfect. As usual, I told you I was going to do one thing. I'm going to do another. We are taping this uh, this particular social pros on July 1st, and my stat of the day is 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago today that Peppers and Rogers released the One to One Future, which uh, was a seminal book, certainly in my marketing. Uh, wow, 20 years! Wow, and predicted a future. 
20 years ago. Uh, and uh, my colleague Joel Book uh, wrote a really good personal blog post on the exact target blog about this today and is going to be doing a follow-up interview with them uh, because he's, he's friends with both Peppers and Rogers. But, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. You know, Don Peppers was this, this marketing guy and, um, and Dr. Rogers, Martha Rogers, was a professor at Bowling Green State University in Northwest Ohio. Uh, and they met at a at, at a presentation that uh, that Don had done about this idea of this one to one future of you know marketing that could connect with individuals. It could have you know mass personalization at scale. And the two of them worked this uh, this thesis out into a book and released the one to one future, and then one to one future for B two B and the one to one workbook. And I don't know about you, Jay, that, as I mentioned, it was really a foundational kind of book for me because it challenged the way that we had all been taught about marketing and mass media, and that is you had to reach huge, huge audiences all at once. Um, and so I thought it would be a, a mistake to let that, that date go by without uh, sharing it on social pros and encouraging folks who have not read that book uh, to go back and read it. It'll have some chuckle moments as you, you know, you read about... Uh, you know some of the older technologies they're referencing, but a lot of it is is extremely relevant today. Perhaps even more relevant today because the the technology is finally caught up with their vision. Well, I can tell you personally, there certainly would have been no utility uh, without that book and the theses that it that it put forth. All of us, um, all of us, owe a debt of gratitude, and certainly none of us would be here uh, without that uh, foundation and, and sort of how it's charted to. Um, change the way people think about marketing and marketing success. And of course, Peppers and Rogers have had um, subsequently several other books that are fantastic and, and you ought to pick those up as well. That's a Absolutely. good one, Jeff. Well done. That's a good one. Thanks. You know, it's it's uh, it's funny what you learn when you're you're writing your own book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, thank you for being on the podcast. Aren't you? You're supposed to be done pretty soon, right? Where are you at on your manuscript? Uh, I've got uh, two weeks from today for my full oh, manuscript God, to be released. So one of these upcoming social pros, I'll share more about that. But I want to have the baby fully birthed before. So Jeff's two weeks <laughs> away from manuscript. My book launched last Thursday. Uh, and is so, knocking it out of the park. I understand. Yeah, we're doing pretty well, thanks to your support and and uh, XBeyond and. Uh, and Janice and lots of other friends out there. I really appreciate everybody. Uh, utility is doing uh, is doing really really well. So uh, thank you very much. My mom is an English teacher uh, and has been her whole life. And um, I got a screenshot of my book uh, selling more than uh, John Steinbeck and sent that to her. Um, and, uh, oh, wow. said, so, so suck on that, Steinbeck. Yes, but how's it how's it doing how's it doing against Fifty Shades of Grey? For two days, the true story. For two days, it was the number one book in the world uh, on Barnes and Noble. So it was Jay Bear first, Stephen King second, Dan Brown third, and and uh, whoever else. So that was pretty nice. I thought nice. the guys from D Dynasty were still up there. They are on the best. <laughs> it's funny. I was just talking to my publicist about that, uh, and I've now been encouraged to grow a long ZZ Top beard because apparently that's <laughs> well, apparently, I also, apparently that's what's up. I want to see that. I can't wait to see that in August. I am I am very pro beard, but I also just read there is going to be a Duck Dynasty cruise. So oh, perhaps God. there needs to be a utility cruise. I'm in or a social pros cruise. I was going to go on the social fresh That's cruise, nice. uh, but I was but I was booked. We could do a social pros cruise in conjunction with uh, Social Fresh or Exact Target or Salesforce uh, or XBeyond or even Monsanto. We should do that. 
Uh, we, that would but, be great. But but it's going to be a Midwestern cruise, so we're just going to go down the Missouri River. It's going to be the worst cruise. <laughs> it's going to be the worst well, cruise ever. No, no, no. They and actually have. Actually, Zena, you might know more about this. They have they've restored the old paddle boats and actually do cruises down the Mississippi that are supposedly fabulous. I love it. Hey, you I know. love it. I haven't heard of it. I mean, actually, no, that's a, a fun it's trip. Awesome. It's awesome. I'm a Memphis girl, so um, the paddle wheels have been a big deal for a long time, and now you can can take them. I know you can take them from here down to from St. Louis down to Memphis or something. There and you I go. go. We might have to do that. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm excited for Social Pros on the Big Buddy. That's going to be fantastic. And you know who will come with us on the big uh, Social Pros uh, paddle wheeler cruise is our friends at Cision. They're the leading provider of software services and tools to the public relations industry. If you need to know who's talking about your company, if you need to know the key media, the important influencers, people who have Google Glass, you need Cision. Uh, journalists and bloggers and online influencers and the like use Cision, and rightfully so, to research story ideas, track trends, and maintain their public profiles. They have a free content marketing kit that I've been telling you about that if you haven't downloaded, you really need to download it. It's pretty fantastic. You can get it right now for free at ar.gy slash content kit. That's ar.gy slash content kit, all lowercase. Zena, do you have for us a holy social for this week? I do. And it's we're taking a little turn here. The, the holy social for this week, it's a discussion. I'm just going to give you the backstory, and then I want to talk with all of you about it. A couple of Sundays ago, very early in the morning, um, did you guys hear about the Walmart post on Facebook on their national page, their global page? Anybody? No? Okay, well, someone posted, what the F was Facebook thinking? And it was up for about five minutes before Walmart realized that there was an oops and took it down. It was shared over 2,000 times. It got 3,000 comments and 6,000 likes, all within less than five minutes. Now, they have 30 million followers on their Facebook page. So quite a few followers. Um, what happened next was it was deleted and Walmart moved on and there wasn't a lot of media talk about it. So I just, I wanted to open this up for discussion and just get you know, Jeff, Janice, um, Jay, your thoughts on this um, in the past when something like this has happened, say a year ago or two years ago, things, when things lit up and this just kind of was under the radar. I think that's because Walmart curses all the time. They're, they like to curse over there at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> but I, I, I'm hopeful. This is a hopeful sign. That's Who what cares? I was thinking. It was a mistake. Exactly. It's, I it's was... a dumb mistake. We, I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, you know No what? one lost their job. Trident or whomever does a picture of a woman rifling through the couch to find a piece of gum. It's a picture of a person rifling through the couch to find a piece of gum. I don't need outrage over that. There are a lot of things in the world that I need outrage over. That, this Walmart post, other things, I don't need outrage over that. And I think social media, maybe we're finally realizing not everything needs to boil our blood and require a nasty gram on Facebook and other social media. Maybe we've matured a little bit. I don't know, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, and, and Janice is faced with this every day. 
you know, social media is difficult because you can find it. And I've said this in the past that, look, if you as an executive or as a customer or as a, you know, somebody who likes to throw stones, if you had access to recordings of all the phone calls that your employees made, or if you were the government and could read everybody's email, you would lose your head because people are doing and saying crazy stuff on the phone and email every second of every day. It's just that in social media, it's findable, it's public. Um, And so consequently, we can use that to make a mountain out of a molehill. This idea that somehow social media forces companies to be perfect is ridiculous. It's an unfair standard. Uh, I think Walmart does, generally speaking, a pretty good job in social, and they're certainly uh, pretty creative and they're willing to try things. And sometimes you get caught in the ringer and that's sort of the, the circumstances that we're all faced with now. But, you know, as somebody who's both a marketer and a consumer, as we all are here, uh, I'm getting really tired of people being brought to the gallows for stupid shit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, the only, the copywriter in me, I wish it would have said what the Zuck was Facebook thinking. But other than that, I just, I, Really, I breathe a sigh of relief. What the Zuck? What the Zuck? <laughs> See? Um, Janice, I know, I mean, do you have any comments for, on this one? I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? No, I, I'm, I'm with the guys on this one. I think it's, it's so difficult to keep everything straight. And my guess is an employee was supposed to be updating their personal page and hit the wrong, you know, app or whatever it was, and it went out on the wrong page. And as soon as they realized that they took it down, I think um, I think in the past I've heard about things like that happening and people getting fired over it or you know it's it's kind of crazy it's um, you know hopefully people thought whoa wait a minute we better check again you know next time let's make sure but I mean I think the overreaction sometimes now I can understand if it's up there for five minutes a lot of people would be highly offended <laughs> highly offended especially when you look at some of the demographics that Walmart may have. So I can understand that people were upset and commenting and sharing and things like that. But um, I wish I, I wish more people would take a minute and try and realize, wait a minute, maybe this is just a mistake and let some things go. I mean, focus on what's important in your life. Yeah, accident doesn't mean intent, right? No, um, exactly. Right. Yeah. <sighs> But but the, I think the key I think the key thing here though is uh, you know for for the pros who are listening right is what are, what are the practices and procedures that you have in place and if they have failed is that a systemic failure or is that a failure of uh, a human being and is it a repeated failure so if it's systemic if it's process then all right let's fix our process let's use this to learn and move on. But you've got to be conscious that, look, you might have a broken wheel person, you know, doing this stuff who just doesn't have the kind of, you know, real-time common sense mentality that you need for social media. I remember um, when I was heading up uh, an agency uh, called Optium and, and, you know, email was the principal social media back then. We had a guy who was our best developer, but you would not put him on the send button. He just, he lost his mind when he had the pressure of broadcast, when he had the pressure of pushing the send button and knowing this was communicated out to 100,000 people simultaneously. He just, he lost the ability to kind of have the checklist and make sure he'd done everything and made a few mistakes in a row. And we finally realized that you needed people 
who had a broadcast mentality, and that is sometimes different than a developer mentality or a creative mentality. Um, and so I, you know, I hope I hope for that person's sake that they didn't lose their job, unless it was the third strike, or <laughs> they had right. other things that they had, you know, messed up in the past. Right, I, and I agree. I mean, guardrails are needed, and obviously, like with our software, things like this wouldn't happen. But I am, you know, I am thrilled that the media didn't pounce. You on You are it. so sly with those plugs. <laughs> I don't need to be, but I'm going to throw it in there. I'm going to be honest. You, you, de you deserve that because of the whole underground thing earlier with that segue. Well, and I wanted to say oh, come but... to the light, but I was on mute. <laughs> so I, I was saying, I was like, why are they not hearing? <laughs> I, I'm, you know, Jay likened your product to carrots and potatoes and things that grow underground. That's all I'm going to say. You know but, what, you know. Carrots and potatoes are, you oh, know. Oh, they're tasty. People. Exactly. They're and tasty. It's so much better than a lot of cotton candy. So when I hear tuber, oh, oh, did you see that? She was, yes. she was, she was besmirching cotton. Did you hear that? <laughs> Not cotton candy. Oh, <laughs> I was loving the farmers. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'd rather be carrots and potatoes than the sweetie cotton candy. Speaking of tubers, Social Pros is also brought to you by our friends at Jan Rain, uh, who provide social sharing, social login, and social profile That's data collection rain. services. They're gonna rain. It's gonna rain. Great. You need Jan Rain <laughs> to grow your tubers. Um, tubers. There you go. There's your segue. And so uh, the folks at Jan Rain provide social login, social profile, data collection stuff. They're an exact target partner uh, as well, and they do some really amazing things with social login and uh, being able to mine your customers' data and allowing people to sign up for stuff using just a one-click Twitter or Facebook authentication or Google authentication uh, or LinkedIn instead of having to fill out a form. And I've done a lot of stuff with these guys and it's amazing how much better your form completion rates are when you allow people to just authenticate with that one click as opposed to filling out a whole form. They have uh, a bunch of cool info and a white paper and some um, how to's about that principle that you can download uh, at ar.gy slash better registration, ar.gy slash better registration. And I'm working on a webinar with them that I'll be doing here uh, in August sometime. So I'll tell you more about that uh, down the road. Okay, let's uh, wrap this up with the for your information uh, section of the show. Janice, this is for you. Four questions, uh, concise answers about social media. Question number one, if you will, please. How did you get involved in social media? I've always been a communicator, like even before I was studying communications, and so it was really a natural progression. Um, on my personal time uh, with family scattered out, out around the country and everything, and uh, slowly my passion for it in my personal life uh, gave me the opportunity to do it professionally. I was already working in communications, so it wasn't a huge leap, but uh, it was a nice change to make just the same. It's nice when that works out, right? You can get paid for your passion. That's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. What would you say you like best? What would you say you like best about social media? That's the second question. Um, obviously, that passion stems from something. Uh, what is it? I I love that small groups of people or individual voices can be heard through social media. It's very very different than all the journalism kind of classes and stuff I'd always studied, where it was really drawn by big media machines and things and so now you you can have it where it can be an almond farmer in California and he can get his word heard over some of the deafening crowd because he's making real relationships and that ability to transfer conversations on social media into valuable relationships that are more long term and that 
um, frequently thrive outside of social media after it's been nurtured some, that's really some awesome power. And what, conversely, would you say that you like least about social media? I'm sure you have several stories that you would love to tell, tell us uh, because you, uh, you and your friends have been in, uh, in some, some sticky situations. Uh, what, what, do you, uh, what do you like least? Um, I think it's hard to tell who's giving you objective information. Um, you know, you used to know if you were reading the New York Times that a journalist there had an editor that was saying, wait a minute, but you don't have the other side of the story in here well enough for it to go in the paper. Um, with social media, you frequently have outlets that only represent one perspective, and that may or may not be true to your your part of the spectrum. It may not represent the reality that others see. And sometimes those kind of things can catch on and become viral without looking for true information, the number of people that can hit retweet without reading something that then demonizes a certain thing. It's, it's really disconcerting, and to me it, 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 it rubs against me so wrong as somebody who is trained as a journalist to look for objective information and to be a critical thinker. Um, but I think sometimes we're on information overload, and I think some people see things and they get excited or emotional about them and they, they don't stop to think. And I think that's probably the thing that, that makes it a little hard for us. Yeah, well said. I, I've, I've written about that in the past, that you know social media allows us to surround ourselves uh, at all times with people who share uh, 100% our, our own belief system, um, even if that belief system is a little bizarro. Um, you know, back in the day, I am deceptively youthful looking, uh, back in the day, um, you know, we had Walter Cronkite, right? And, and, you know, you, you had very few news sources and information sources. And, and so everybody in the country or many people in the country shared the same sourcing, right? And so you might not always agree, but at least we were all exposed to sort of a common, um, notion of truth and information. And now it's sort of this balkanization of truth. And, and so if you believe this, there's a TV channel for you. If you believe that there's a TV channel for you, and then there's a hundred blogs and 16,000 Twitter accounts and everything else. And so you yeah, can, but you can search narrows it even more. Yeah. What yeah. You've been searching for before. Yep. So you can, you can prove yourself right. Um, 24 hours a day. And, and while I guess that's psychologically satisfying, um, as I sit here and look at people tweeting me, um, about being right about something, I guess that's psychologically satisfying, but I don't know that it's necessarily the best thing for the citizenry. I'm with you. Last question. Uh, if you could do a Skype call with any living person other than Jeff's uncle in McGuffey, Ohio, uh, who would it be? <laughs> who would it be? And why? Wow. So if you're going to take away the farmer in Northwestern Ohio. He, he, he's a cousin in Hamler, just to correct the record. <laughs> okay. Okay. The uncle in McGuffey and cousin in Hamler is so fundamentally the same, Jeff, that it's not even worth you <laughs> unmuting yourself to make that point. But thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to go with like the Dalai Lama because I've seen him speak before and he has this amazing, peaceful, patient kind of vibe to him. And um, and yet, knowing that he was in a spot where there's been such incredible adversity, and he's not where he wants to be, 
um, you know, he's he's doing some things that he really doesn't feel like he probably should have to be doing because his homeland is in possession by other people. But he has this tranquility and this ability to like slow down and focus on whoever he's talking to. Um, I, I think to to be in his presence, even if it was by Skype, I'd I'd have to sign up because man has to have some incredible sense of wisdom or something he could impart to me to help me calm back down sometimes when the world's going too fast and speeding past and uh and just kind of recenter. Um and I think I think from a world perspective, what the man has seen in all his travels and all these different areas of the world um, the kind of rich experiences that that provides, both in places where technology is so common like ours, and he loves technology, right? We all we all know he's probably got an iPhone nearby, and he, he's checking his Twitter account or something. But he also goes into places where that kind of technology is not available and, and has those rich, meaningful conversations with people. Um, that, to me, would just, that would be a day well spent. However long I could have him, 15 minutes or for a few hours, I'd, I'd love to chat with him. Well, that was a, a fantastic answer. Really, really well said. And fun fact, uh, the Lama's brother, uh, who was recently, uh, relatively recently deceased, um, his uh, monastery and temple is like 0.4 miles from where I am standing right now is right around the corner from my house. In fact, right here in Bloomington, Indiana, is the one of the largest um, Tibetan facilities outside of uh, of that part of the world. So the Lama has been here a couple times, and uh, it's a it's a big thing here in my town. Wow! See, I, go, I didn't even I didn't even have that connection made. I I um, but I he he truly is an amazing person, and I've. I spent a little time in some Buddhist temples in, in different parts of the world, and I'm always amazed by the ability to, to recenter yourself, even in a world gone mad sometimes. Indeed. Yeah, well, certainly that uh, social media qualifies as world gone mad. I think <laughs> there's no, no question about that. Janice, you were fantastic. Thank you very much for being on the show and uh, sharing your experiences and your wisdom uh, with us, and uh, as well as allowing us to talk about uh, tubers and a number of other topics uh, on hey, this particular version. You, you talk tubers. We've got some carrots we could talk about. I, I may have to get you guys some carrot seed for next Next year, when you start planting your garden, can you guys grow? Can you guys work on some deer-proof carrots? That's really what I need. Because I got deer, like most people got pigeons. Um, so if you can, if you can GMO something that deer hates, uh, I am your first customer. You just need, you just need to get get over to to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy that uh, that wolf urine substitute. I, I make my own wolf urine. Um, it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. We had. They were BYO. Taste any of those carrots, okay? For the record, I'm I'm telling you, we had a six point buck who was ruining our trees by uh by uh, rubbing antlers up against them one year, and we put that stuff out, and they were gone. So, okay, well, we need to have a a blog. We need a whole podcast about like this. Yeah, we need a separate podcast. (laughs) 
Thanks for being part of the Midwestern uh, uh, Marketing Mafia as well, Janice. Next week, uh, I don't know who's going to be on the show. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely tremendous. I can guarantee you that. Where do we Where do we go from tubers and wolf urine, though? I uh, maybe we, let's find out who makes up. that wolf urine. Let's find out who makes only that wolf upwards. urine. <laughs> See who makes the wolf urine and who their social media manager is. That will be next week's show. Uh, Jeff will have Google Glass on during the show next week. That will be interesting. Um, he can look up the stat of the week in real time. Has anybody podcasted with the Google Glass on? I'm sure Scoble did, uh, but yes, no, nobody. Scoble did. You'll have to go in the shower. Yeah, nobody You'll have from, to trust me that I have it on. Nobody from the Midwest, that I can tell you. Uh, thanks again. I'm Jay Bear. He's Jeff and Zena and Janice. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being part of Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros, the show for real people doing real work in social media. Please tell your friends about the show. Subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher and view all episodes at socialpros.com. Until next week, thanks to presenting sponsor Exact Target, as well as Cision, Janrain, and XPI. Now, get back to work. <laughs>